All right, hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Robert Winfrey here, per usual, your host, flying solo again. Uh, look, world's crazy. Uh, Jeff is here as often as he is able, uh, for those of you who are fans of Jeff. All right, let's have a look. Um, it's on the agenda today. UFC on ESPN Plus 37 from yesterday, as I record this. Uh, you know, not the most appealing night of fights if you're not kind of in the weeds. But if you're in the weeds in MMA, and I'm I'm not the deepest guy in the weeds, but I'm in the weeds. Uh, some really solid matchmaking. I mean, not every fight was, you know to steal the late Larry Zonka's line, a certified banger, but more watchable than not watchable, uh, with some really good finishes sprinkled along the way, so I'm very happy with... Last night's event was pretty good. was pretty good. Uh, So we'll go through all of that. This upcoming week, UFC on ESPN Plus 38, Brian Ortega finally back. And he'll be fighting the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. So we'll go through that card. Uh, I might squeal a little bit because I know the MMA community is, you know, a lot of them are, you know, hey, it's Korean zombie fight week, which it is. Honestly, for me, much bigger fight on the boxing side of things. Vasily Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez Jr. Fortunately, the way things seem to have been timed out, the way they're scheduled at least, uh, the UFC event will wrap up about the time the main card for Loma and Lopez starts. So there sh- we should be fine to watch all of that and then the boxing main event because Lomachenko and Lopez, I, I don't have anything else to say about that. I, I shouldn't say I don't have anything else to say about it. I'm, I'm probably going to talk about it a little bit, but it's a, a truly fantastic fight. So we'll be... Looking at the UFC event, not a lot of news. You know, it's been really quiet this week. Uh, you know, A few minor fights here and there, but we'll see if something crazy happens as I'm recording, because that does happen on occasion. Right, let's jump into last night. UFC on ESPN plus 37. Uh, main event. Corey Sandhagen defeats Marlon Moraes via... TKO, 103 of the second round. Wheel kick and punches. Uh, not our only spinny finish of the evening, but we'll we'll get to that. Bit of insanity. I, I picked Marais last week, but one of the things that I met... I mentioned today I wouldn't be surprised if Santagin... A little surprised he won it with this much... Um, just so many style points, you know? This wasn't just a win... And a finish over a tough guy. Uh, he was winning the fight. Uh, I I gave him the first. I think he won it. Then in the second, just beautiful wheel kick. Clips Marais along the top of the head. Drops him. Pounds him out on the ground. Really, really nice stuff. I, I think one of the things that kind of... I don't know if I talked about it enough last week or not. But... Marais does... We all knew Marais had some gas tank issues. We've seen him fade in the past. 
Um, and Sandhagen was able to exploit that here. In no small part by... I mean, Sandhagen fights at a pretty crazy pace anyway. But he kind of did a little bit of what... These two fights are very different, but... If you... If I were to explain in kind of broad strokes how Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo... You know, make Aldo work, make him overcommit, make him faint, make him counter, make him react to things, make him overreact to things. Same kind of thing here. Uh, Sandhagen just constantly busy, constantly getting Marais to overreact, and just wore him down with variety of offense, uh, pace. Uh, Sandhagen is the real deal. I mean, we all knew that. He had the you know, he was coming off for the loss to Aljamain Sterling, but Sterling could very well be champion in the v immediate future. He's that good. And it, it's... I mean, that's his only loss in the UFC. He's, he's very, very clearly at the top of the division. Where at the top, again, a bit of a subject for some debate, but... You've got Jan and Sterling as kind of the only fight left to make now at bantamweight. Uh, that's that's it. I mean, I know TJ Dillashaw's suspension is going to be up uh, when 21, first quarter of 21 at some point in that area. But I... And Frankie Edgar did technically get a win at bantamweight. I thought he lost, but close enough fight that I'm not, you know, up in arms over it. But I mean, if they go with Edgar, it's purely the like, nostalgia at this point. I, I mean, I hate to say it that way because he fought Pedro Munoz, and again, I didn't score the fight for him, but he certainly proved himself capable of fighting on even terms with one of the better bantamweights in the world. But he's not done anything like what Sandhagen has done. Uh, I wouldn't even want to see Dillashaw get an immediate title shot, not after, you know as much time off as he had. Um, look, get him a... You can easily get him a fight that would be a number one contender's fight. I mean, you could do Dillashaw and Marais. I don't know what you want... I don't know if that's what you want to do with Marlon at this point, but you could do that. You could do, you know, him against any of the top bantamweights is a great fight. It's a great division. And he's... You know, TJ's one win away from a title shot. That seems very fair, in all honesty. Uh, he's... But I don't think, after two years out, with the division this, you know, full of talent, that that would be the correct way to go. My opinion. So you've probably got Sandhagen... This gets only complicated if Sterling beats Jan. Which could very well happen, those are two exceptional fighters. But if Sterling beats Jan, then you've got kind of the fact that he ran over Sandhagen a little bit. It was not a long fight. You could you can still do the rematch, especially after this. You've now got something to add to Sandhagen's highlight reel. But that's that would be the only somewhat complicating factor where the UFC might wind up trying to look at a different angle. Uh... If Jan beats Sterling, there is no discussion. It's Sandhagen and Jan. Just let's not complicate that. So I, I, 
that does all assume that uh, Yawn and Sterling actually gets made, which isn't official yet. I'm not sure why, but it isn't. So we'll be you know, paying attention to that. It should be Sterling unless there's some kind of injury or other complicating factor. Sterling should get the next title shot, and Sandhagen should probably be next for the winner of Jan and Sterling. But Bantamweight, again, really, really good division. Really good division. Uh, for Marais, this... That sucks, man. That's a This was a rough loss. I mean, not just the fact that he lost, but... A lot of people scored that fight with Aldo for Aldo. Uh, again, that fight is close enough that I don't argue with anyone scoring it either way. I mean, I scored it for Marais doing it live. Uh, but he was finished by Henry Cejudo before that, which was... Especially... I mean, he tore Henry Cejudo up in that first round. He just chewed him up. And to Cejudo's credit, he adjusted his stance, adjusted his mentality gutted through it and was able to, you know, get the win. But this might be backbreaking for Marais. Uh, it's not, compl- again, not completely, but he's definitively on the outside looking into the title picture now. He's going to need not just, he's going to need two wins at least. I mean, had he won here, he's very, he was very clearly going to get the next shot, whether that's Jan or Sterling. He hasn't fought Yawn, and if Sterling becomes champion, well, he knocks Sterling out cold. That was a, I mean, they're, they're fond of using the finish in the highlights because it's a great finish, but he, he knocked Aljamain Sterling out cold, so would have been very easy to get him into the title picture. Now he's really on the outside looking in. But for as long as it lasted, entertaining fight, uh, Sandhagen still just a really, really good fighter. He's a tough guy to get a handle on. Sterling got by him by kind of capitalizing on his aggression, and then Sterling's absurd, but Sterling's back-taking abilities are I don't think properly appreciated, and there's people who talk about them a fair bit, but his, Sterling's back-taking is absolutely superb stuff. And he, I mean, he's, Sterling's taken, Sterling's done a lot of back takes recently. I I have to double check this, and I'm kind of going off of memory, but he spent a lot of time on Pedro Munoz's back. Not as much on Jimmy Rivera's, but some. I mean, he finished Cody Stamen from there. Yeah, his back taking is really, really good. And I just don't... I think Sandigan put himself in a position for that to be taken advantage of in that respect. And you know, credit to Sterling for doing it, but I I don't think a rematch... It's not an impossible sell at all, again, especially after this, but if someone else makes a better... makes a compelling case, they might leapfrog somebody over Sandhagen. I don't think they should, but I am not going to sit here and pretend I don't see these possibilities whether I like them or not. Uh, Alright. Moving on to co-main event. 
Edson Barboza defeated Makwan Amir Khani via unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-27, Amir Khani had one of the oddest game plans I've seen when it comes to fighting Edson Barboza. Um, look, Barboza has struggled with pressure for years and years and years. Now, in some fights, he's handled it better than others, but it's always been an issue. And this felt like Amir Khani's mentality was, I know my gas tank is a little bit iffy, so I can't sprint at this guy for the first, you know, three and a half to five minutes and then be gassed because I'll get finished. So he tried to manage his cardio, but in trying to manage himself like that and find only incremental points of success, he just got picked apart. He got kicked a lot to the body especially. He got dropped uh, the second round. He got dropped twice. Uh, he nearly got anaconded a couple of times. Uh, he got dropped again in the third you have to pressure Edson Barboza. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that that's easy, because you're walking through a flurry of kicks, knees, punches, and if he's on his game, he can be good about turning you. But if you give him space and you just kind of hang out, he's going to do stuff like this to you. It's It was a really odd strategic decision on the part of Amir Khani, but... In somewhat fairness to him, he took this fight on short notice. And his cardio issues have been documented at this point. If he wasn't confident enough in them to even sprint for a single round, he seems to have made the kind of calculated decision that, all right, I'm going to try to squeeze out incremental advantages here and there, but at least I'm not going to get finished. Then he still almost got finished, but he didn't, so I suppose it worked in that respect, if if that's where his head was. Um, Barboza said he wants to fight somebody in the top five or so next. Featherweight's a talented division, but sure. I mean, if you look at Barboza's last few fights, uh, the last two decisions in particular, I thought he won the Paul Felder rematch at UFC 242. And a lot of people thought he should have won the fight with Ige uh, in May of this year. I scored that for Ige doing it live, rewatching it. I was a little, uh, I was always sympathetic to the case for Barboza. Rewatching it, I was a little bit more, okay, I think Barboza won. So, again, you get those two decisions that go maybe the way they should, arguably. And he's on a three-fight winning streak with still only a couple of losses. Uh, And those losses would be to very, very upper-tier guys. Uh, So he's not as washed as his record would indicate if you look... Because, I mean, going into this fight, he was 1-5 and in his last six. Now, three of those losses were to Khabib, Kevin Lee, and Justin Gaethje, all top-tier lightweights. Actually, uh, no, Lee never got the interim. He fought for the interim title. But, you know, current champion, current interim champion, former interim title challenger. Then he has two split decisions that probably should have won. 
the, the recent record was just not a big indicator of his skill at the moment. He's not as washed as you might think he is if you went, wow, you know, one and five in his last six. That's pretty rough. Yeah, it's not a great stretch, but also you have to remember about Barboza. He's been in the UFC for 10 years at this point. Uh, he wants to make a run. If he wants to do that, he's he doesn't really have time to screw around anymore. So if we're looking at featherweight, let me pull up the rankings. Who are the top featherweights? Um, we have... Okay, my general disgust with the rankings notwithstanding. We have Max Holloway as the number one contender. He's not the number one contender, people. I get that he's the second best featherweight in the division. He is. That seems fairly straightforward. But he lost twice to Volkanovski. You're not the number one contender. Brian Ortega at two, with his massive layoff. Zabit at three, the Korean Zombie at four, Rodriguez at five, Calvin Cater at six. Josh M at seven. I mean, you could easily do Barboza against Zabit, against Rodriguez, against Cater. Uh, Barboza and Cater would be a really good one. We have, we still have to see, you know, what happens with Jung and Ortega this coming week. You could, <laughs> this might be mean to him, but you could do Barboza and Holloway. Uh, there's, there's a lot of options, and none of those are bad. I mean, I would be, I don't know any reasonable complaint you could level against any of those fights. Uh, they would all be watchable to high-level affairs. Uh, Barboza, again, I like Barboza's chances against Cater. Probably against, uh, I would like his chances against Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Zabit, Zabit can be a pressure monster, so maybe, maybe that's a little bit closer. I don't like his chances against Holloway, but I don't like pretty much anyone's chances against Holloway. So, get him in there against any of those guys. Uh, you got fireworks. Should be a very, very entertaining fight. Hard to go wrong there. I don't think he's out of line for asking for that top-tier kind of spot, so hopefully that happens. Uh, let's see, moving on. Marcin Tabora defeated Ben Rothwell via unanimous decision, 29-27 across the boards. This was your regularly scheduled walrus fight. Rothwell had a decent first round, but couldn't quite keep the pace that he tried to set, and the more he kept kind of just lumbering at Tabora, the more Tabora was able to time him, to move around him, to angle. Um, again, this was a walrus fight. That's really kind of all there was to it. Wasn't great, but... Um, if this is the worst fight on the card, and I think it was, uh, yeah, this was probably the worst fight on the card. Uh, you're happy if this is the worst fight on the card. You're really pissed if this is the best fight on the card. Uh, moving on, Drickus Duplessis defeated Marcus Perez via knockout punches, 322 of the first. Bit of an odd fight. Uh, Duplessis just kind of absorbing a lot of forward pressure from Perez and then clipped him behind the ear with a really nice short left hook in close. 
Uh, pounded him out on the mat. Uh, I've seen some of Duplessis' stuff from KSW, so I'm happy he's in the UFC. He's a solid addition to the middleweight roster. Um, let's see. At heavyweight, Tom Aspinall defeated Alan uh, Badeau. I can't remember how they pronounce this guy's name. My apologies if I'm mispronouncing it to this gentleman. Uh, not a long fight. TK, uh, this was a TKO 135 of the first. Uh, Aspinall just was able to kind of push close. Uh, dropped Badeau, got on top, full mount, flattened him out, pounded him out. Not terribly complicated. Aspinall's a pretty legitimate heavyweight prospect. Now, whether he pans out or not remains to be seen, but... Uh, Good addition to the heavyweight roster, which could always use more talent. Uh, kicking off the main card, Ilya Teporia defeated Yusef Zalal, the unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three cards. Um, this was a really fun fight. <laughs> uh, Teporia just kind of kept forcing Zalal into grappling exchanges, and Teporia was the superior grappler. Uh, a lot of escapes from Zalal. He was in some bad spots on occasion and was able to fight his way out of them. Uh, really, really engaging fight in that respect. So, kudos. Uh, unfortunately, this spoils Zalal's 2020. He was 3-0 and in this year coming into this fight. Was go- trying to be the first person to go 4-0 and in the UFC in 2020. Uh, unfortunately, again, lost. But... Uh, Especially if you like scrambles. If you like scrambly grappling, a lot of that kind of stuff here that's really, really fun to follow. Uh, as for the prelims, Tom Breeze defeated KB Buller via TKO 42 seconds of the first. Really nice kind of lunging jab from Breeze here. He had his... He wasn't just stepping with the lead leg to get some body weight behind it. He covered a lot of distance and had... Uh, not just kind of the what you can get from leaning, but all of his weight going forward and the punch that dropped Buller and then he finished him off. Uh, Breeze was a guy that had a fair bit of hype a while ago and then a couple of losses, uh, some long injury layoffs. The sport's brutal like that. It will forget you and leave you behind in a heartbeat. But a uh, solid win for him. Uh, let's see. Chris Dawkins defeated Rodrigo Nascimento via knockout punches, 45 seconds of the first. Uh, Dawkins weighed, I think, 220-something for this, whereas Nascimento cut down a little bit to hit 265. Uh, Dawkins just has fast hands. He's got good mobility. He's lighter and quicker for a heavyweight, obviously. And that just gives some of these guys problems. He's good defensively. He's... Uh, I mean, he does the old heavyweight thing. I mean, Daniel Cormier's talked about this in the past that, you know, heavyweights are just slow. So if you've got, if you've still got good reaction times or if you're a faster than average heavyweight, it's easy to avoid damage. Uh, so Dawkins now 2-0 and in the UFC. Another kind of heavyweight we might want to be paying attention to. Still developing him and uh, Aspinall both in some respects, but... Uh, heavyweight needs, you know, needs people coming up. Uh, let's see. Oh, God, this. Joaquin Buckley defeated Impa Kasanganai via knockout 203 of the second. 
with a jump-spinning back kick to the face. I... I have oh, I don't audibly react to knockouts very often. Uh, I I just see a lot of them, and I'm kind of a slightly more reserved person anyway, so I tend not to again you know, over I get I tend not to react all that much. Uh, I by way of examples, um, I think when Sterling knocked uh, when Marais knocked out Sterling, I kind of had a bit of an oh. Uh, I woke up part of the house when, because I was watching live, you know, 10 or so years ago, I'm so old, when Anthony Pettis hit the Showtime kick on Benson Henderson. And then this, I, yeah, I disturbed some of my brothers. (laughs) I just, I, very loudly, I don't think I, I didn't swear, but but, I just, (laughs) this stuff doesn't happen. Uh, Buckley uh, was standing southpaw, throws a left kind of high kick. It's not all the way up to the head, but it's upper chest. uh, Upper chest and shoulder area. Kasanganai blocks and then, with his left hand, uh, goes to parry the kick across his body. Buckley kind of uses the pull there to jump and hit a jump-spinning back kick to the face, and Kasanganai... I had some friends who are bigger into pro wrestling than I am when they saw this said this was much like uh, Ricky Steamboat selling a jawbreaker. Just because he falls slowly, he gets hit and he rocks back and his arm, everything kind of locks up and leans forward, slowly falls back, thunk. Uh, I've... I've seen a handful of stuff loosely similar to this. Uh, Raymond Daniels would try this a lot in his... uh, Certainly if you watched his karate competition, if you watched his glory stuff, he hit it on somebody. The difference was, in the case of Daniels when he was doing this, it wasn't... His opponent hadn't caught the kick. It was throw a touching kind of kick with your lead leg, a sidekick usually, and then use that touch to kind of spring up to measure distance, and then you can kind of push off your opponent's body, especially if they're in their stance and you get on the thigh. You can kind of use that as a bit of a step and would then, you know, do the spinning back kick off of that. Uh, seeing it when somebody catches the kick like this, I mean, Buckley jumps for this kick as Kasanganai is still holding his ankle. Uh... My closest frame of reference for this is actually a full-on Taekwondo move from a movie. Uh, if you've ever seen the second of the ori- the original uh, the original sequel, um, the the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, The Secret of the Ooze. So this is not the you know Michael Bay produced variations. Um, one of the human characters, uh, the character's name is Kino. I forget the actor's name, I, and I feel bad about that because he's a great martial artist. Uh, in fact, he played. I think I think he did the uh, stunt work for Leonardo in the first movie. Uh, anyway, he there's a sparring session, and he at one point throws a kick that gets caught by somebody, and he. I mean, it's a movie, so it's splashed up, but he hits from having his leg caught a big jump wheel kick to knock his opponent out. That's the closest thing I've got to this. Something scripted from a movie. (laughs) 
this was absolutely insane. Uh, this is your knockout of the year, I think. I mean, if, if you looked at this event last, not just this event, but the state of MMA yesterday, we had three pretty significant knockouts. Um, there was a flying knee in Bellator. There was a jumping switch kick from Mohamed Khalidov to, I think it was Scott Askham in KSW. And then you had this insanity. Uh, this clip is all over the world. It's all over social media. So wh wherever. Find, if you see nothing else about this card, find this kick and just bask in its violent absurdity. It is glorious. Uh, just glorious. <laughs> See, moving on. Tony Kelly defeated Ali Al-Kaisi via unanimous decision. Fight was just kind of there. Uh, Kelly was the better grappler and kind of was able to kind of force things there, so good for him. Giga Chikadze defeated Omar Morales via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Little surprised to see Morales the favorite. Um, not anything against the guy, but he'd been out for a little bit, and I think he only had the one fight in the UFC before this. No, sorry, he's had... Jeez. This was his third UFC fight. I guess I just don't really... I just didn't really remember all that much about the Benitez fight. I was I was still surprised to see him as the favorite because not because he's not a good fighter but more kind of how he fights how that lines up with how Chikadze fights. Uh, one of Chikadze's better performances in the UFC uh, did really good fighting long. He got a really really quick handle on Morales's timing. He was splitting it early and often, uh, landing on him, landing uh, you know his kicking game. Uh, just, again, a really, really solid performance from Chikadze. And this was Morales' featherweight debut. I don't... He didn't look bad. This was a this was mostly a bad style matchup for him, I think. I don't know if he'll stick around here or go back up to lightweight, but... Uh, I mean, again, it was just a, you know, solid, solid fight all the way around. Let's see, Tracy Cortez defeated Stephanie Egger via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Uh, Cortez just the better grappler, more or less. Uh, they spent a fair bit of time in the clinch, but anytime they got to the mat, Cortez was pretty good about staying with uh, Egger anytime she tried to scramble, finding better positions, getting some damage in. And kicking everything off, Tajir Ulanbekov defeated Bruno Silva via unanimous decision, 229-28s and a 30-27. Uh, this was a really... These two set a pretty good tone for the evening. We did, Not a finish, but... Uh, I gave Silva the first, a little bit marginal, but after that, Ulanbekov's kind of pace and... Especially his just real kind of grindy clinch work... Uh, wore Silva down. Silva really struggled with that as the fight wore on. Just couldn't quite get out of the clinch. Anytime he got a takedown, Ulanbekov was really good about instantly either sweeping or standing up. And then if he was able to get on top, it took Silva a lot more work and he ate more damage. Uh, glad to have Ulanbekov in the UFC. Uh, flyweight needs all the help it can get after the UFC gutted the division.
So, top to bottom, solid, solid night of fights. Only a handful of stuff that were kind of duds. Uh, but good, ma- not a not a sexy card, you know, and that's unfortunate. Uh, this thing got. I I don't know what kind of numbers in terms of traffic this did on ESPN Plus. The obviously the Buckley knockout went viral. Uh, I think it wound up being the most liked UFC you know tweet or video that they'd ever put out, something like that. But not a lot from the card seemed to really kind of break through the the hardcore bubble, the hardcore section of the fan base. I didn't... My coverage didn't seem to get a tremendous amount of traffic. I don't think the report after the fact has either. So, But you can find my full thoughts, my round-by-round breakdown. I, If you want to know where else you can find the clips of some of these finishes, I do stick them in my coverage, guys. I make sure to embed the videos that uh, any of the video clips that come out of the official either UFC or ESPN feeds. So you can find them there if you don't want to go looking through other uh, if you don't want to go kind of, you know, trawling through the depths of Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatnot. You can find my you can find most of these there. I try to be I try to put content in there for you, not just a giant wall of text. So for whatever that's worth. Uh, you can find my report in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, as usual, so please do check it out. I always appreciate the uh, support that you guys give me in that respect. Alrighty. Let us move ahead to next week's event. UFC back on ESPN Plus for the 38th time. So UFC on ESPN Plus 38 we have uh, that main event is really good. The UFC has been trying to make this fight a few different times, but Brian Ortega and the Korean Zombie Chan Sung Jung. Let's see. Uh, Ortega, how long has he been? He hasn't been. We haven't seen him since the Holloway fight. It was December of eighteen. Whew. Not quite the full two years. Uh, I mean, I don't begrudge anyone that. He took a beating from Max Holloway in that fight. Uh, he absorbed a lot of damage. So I don't object to anyone who takes some time after that fight, to after that kind of a fight, to you know, recover themselves. Um... Because he was supposed to fight in December of 19, so that would have been a year af- about a year after that first, after the Holloway fight. Then he got a knee injury. Uh, they tried to do it at some point earlier this year, but between COVID and I think, uh, didn't Jung have some kind of eye surgery? Or eye injury? I don't know. Uh, either way, we're here where we are now. Uh that anytime you're out for that long, it does kind of raise a big question mark about, you know, what what has the fighter in question been working on? What have they been improving on? Uh, Ortega's jiu-jitsu game, obviously, very, very high level. 
he's got good power, and there's elements of his boxing that are... He tends to shoulder roll as kind of a one... Uh, as his main defensive option. Holloway punished him for that with body work. Uh, but decent power. Uh, I mean, he stopped... He the first guy to stop Frankie Edgar with strikes. And clearly working on it. He's not ignorant of the fact that he needs to be a competent striker. So it's, it's not clear, you know, what kind of improvements to his game he's been working on during that particular time period. Uh, for Jung, I think the last time we saw him was when he stopped Edgar. Yeah, when he, not, when he, when he kind of ran over Edgar in December of last year, so he's been out for a while, too. Um... It's crazy to think that, you know, Jung has two losses, has only got two losses in the UFC. One of those is title fight with Jose Aldo, and the other, that fight with Yair Rodriguez, that he, I hate to say he should have won, because he got knocked out, right? That's, there was no judging controversy. He did that to himself in some respects, but, he had that fight in the bag. I mean, we know that at this point, uh, statistically. He was ahead by... He was ahead by, I think, two rounds on two of the judges' scorecards coming into that round. Or ahead by... Or ahead by a round. No, because that... Sorry, so we would have been... Yeah, so going into the going into the fifth round, two of the judges had it 3-1 to one for Jung. One of them had it 2-2, two, two, and he was winning the fifth round. Uh, and then gets caught with one of the craziest elbows you'll ever see. And has it all slip away. But since then, stopped Tanatum Waikano, stopped Frankie Edgar. Uh, this is a very, very tough fight to try and get a handle handle on. Um, Ortega's always been a little bit hittable, and that could get him into some pretty serious trouble here. I'm gonna pick Ortega. I'm gonna lean that way a little bit, but the the layoff could be a very, very big uh, factor in Ortega's performance here. So I won't be surprised at all if Jung wins. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into the rest of this card, so let's just kind of run down this fairly quickly. Um, Cyril Gaon was supposed to fight Shamil Abdurahimov. Abdurahimov fell out. I don't know why. Uh, no, we don't have a specific reason set. He's now... Uh, Gaon is now fighting... Ante Delizia. I'm going with Delizia until I uh, hear otherwise, because that J could be pronounced a few different ways depending on. Let me look up what he's fighting. Hang on. I I'm feel pretty. It's either Delizia or like Delhia. Uh, okay, he's from Croatia. Yeah, he's from Croatia. 
Uh, I'm going with Delisia, then. Uh, it's kind of my shot in the dark there. That's not really... That's not fully in the dark, but... That's going to be... Until I hear otherwise. I don't have a problem picking Gon here. I would have picked him over Abdurahimov. Uh, Gon's pretty legit. See, women's flyweight fight between Caitlin Chukagian and Jessica Andrade. Andrade moving up to 125. Coming off of that fight with uh, Rosnama Yunus. Real shame for her that wasn't a five-round fight. I think I said this before. I think I said this about that fight going into it. Over five rounds, I just kind of think the way Nama Yunus fights plays into Andrade. Over three? Over three, Rose took the first two rounds. And then, I mean, Andrade started getting to her in the second, and then in the third, uh, got to her pretty badly. Uh, Nama Yunus's, I think it was her right eye, was badly swollen at the end of that third round, to the point where if I think there was a fourth round even scheduled, they would not have let her out for it. Like, that was that was bad. But she's moving up to flyweight, and we'll fight former title challenger Chukagian. We saw Chukagian get a win. Was the, Yeah, she beat Antonina Shevchenko. This would be after Valentina just smashed her into oblivion. Um... This is not going to be an easy fight for Andrade, but this is winnable. Chukagian will be longer. I mean, Andrade is short. She was short at strawweight. But she's kind of a tank. Uh, if Chukagian's able to play Matador consistently, she can win, but I don't really think Chukagian's a disciplined enough fighter to maintain that in the face of Andrade's constant pressure. So I'm, I'm going with Andrade here. Uh, light heavyweight Jimmy Krupp will fight Modestus Bukowskis. Uh, There's another S there. Krupp's coming off of, I think, his first loss. Nope. Sorry, he lost to Serkinov and then bounced back by beating Mikhail Oleksijek. Um, Bukowskis had a successful debut, I believe. Yeah, he beat Andreas Mikhailaitis. I'm okay picking Crute here. Crute's uh, a fairly well-rounded guy. And Bukowskis looked a little bit... I mean, he got the win, obviously, but... Uh, looked a little shaky in places. Thomas Almeida will fight Jonathan Martinez. Almeida was going to fight somebody else here. Um, who was it? Because um, his opponent got... Bumped for somebody else. Ah, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, really good fight here. Oh, Almeida's moving up to featherweight. That's interesting. That is really interesting. Uh, anyway, Martinez... Stopped Frankie Signs in his last fight. Um, I'm going to leave... This has action written all over it, believe it or not. Uh, I know a lot of people might not be able to remember some Jonathan Martinez fights off the top of their head, but these two come to bang. <laughs> um, 
they're going to slug this one out. Uh, I'm going to lean towards Almeida, but his defensive liabilities are a real problem. And if he hasn't dealt with those technically, then moving up to featherweight where there's more firepower might not be all that helpful. Uh, let's see. We have Mateus... Whoa. Mateus Gamro and Guram Kutateledzi. I bet that guy's from Georgia. Which is the case that's probably pronounced differently. Uh, Alright, hang on. Let's have a look. He is from Georgia. I'm going with Kut... I'm going to go with kind of my butchered pronunciation for the moment until I have something else. Uh... But I think these are a couple of debutantes. Uh, oh, he's from Pol uh, Gamrod is from Poland, so it is Gamrod, not Gamro. Should be the French pronunciation. Uh, yeah, a couple of debuting fighters. I'll lean towards Gamrod, but uh, you know, debuting guys. Uh, let's see. Women's flyweight fight again. Jillian Robertson and Pollyanna Botello. Um, Botello beat Lauren Mueller her last time out. That was her return to flyweight. Whereas Robertson... More wins than losses in the UFC. Just a couple of key losses. I'll go with Robertson here, but... I, that one could go either way. At welterweight, Claudio Silva's back... <laughs> Oh, poor Hannibal. I like this guy. This is great. This might sound crazy because I enjoy his work. He just fights so infrequently. He debuted in the UFC in 2014, fought twice in 14, didn't fight at all in 15, 16, or 17, fought once in eight, in 18, and then twice in 19. Uh, he's a really interesting fighter, believe it or not. I, I like a lot of his stuff. But he only comes out every once in a while. Uh, he'll be fighting... Oh, James Krause. This is a really solid fight, actually. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Silva. Because Silva's only loss was his professional debut when he was disqualified. But that's... that's a Put a circle around that one. That's a pretty solid little fight. Let's see, John Phillips is still with the UFC at middleweight. Uh, he is 1-4 and four in the UFC. Uh, he'll be fighting Junyong Park. Has, I, think this, I think Park has fought in the UFC. A couple of times, actually. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Park. Uh, Phillips is not a good fighter. Uh, let's see. Jamie Malarkey will fight Ferris Zyme. Zyam? France. I'm going to go with Ziam. Uh, Ziam lost his UFC debut earlier. Uh, whereas Malarkey also lost his UFC debut. Oh, he had that wild fight with Brad Riddell. I remember that. That was crazy. That's a barn burner of a fight. Uh, I'll go with Malarkey here, actually. See, we have a light heavyweight fight between Gadzimurad and Tagulov and Maxim Grishin. 
Uh, Grishin's fought in the UFC, I think. Yeah, lost to Marcin Tabora in his UFC debut. He's dropping, he's dropping to light heavyweight here, which I think is his more natural weight. Uh, whereas Antigulov, I think he was last seen losing to yeah Paul Craig. I had some hope for Antigulov after his first couple of fights in the UFC, but he has not panned out. I'll go with Grishin. Uh, and I think the last thing then would be a fight between Mark Striegel and Saeed Nurmagomedov. Um, Striegel's UFC debut, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, whereas Saeed Nurmagomedov... Coming off of a loss to Hani Barcelos. I don't, I'm still going to lean towards Nurmagomedov, but... Uh, the Barcelos fight was pretty t was a fairly tough fight, so... I'll go with Said, but... Uh, if Striegel's the real deal, he could absolutely uh, pull that off. And there's... There was supposed to be a fight between David Zawada and Munir Lezez... Uh, Lizez pulled, uh, had a positive COVID test. Uh, that seems to have happened. That happened fairly recently, so not sure if something will happen with David Zawada or not, but if there's another fight on that card, it will probably be that. So we have a, I think that's another 13 fight card. No, that's just, okay, that's just 12. So it'll be 13 if Zawada makes it back onto the card. And you can find my coverage of that again Saturday in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. So stop by, say hello. Always appreciate it. Uh, you know, again, we're just dealing with a severe lack of news. I might, let me check Twitter, and then if nothing crazy has happened, I'm probably going to call it there. There's not been anything really that's kind of broken. I mean, you have the perpetual ongoing saga between Connor and... Poirier and Khabib, Tony Ferguson kind of poking his head into the argument at this point. Uh, but we've talked a little bit about that already, so uh, we have nothing, nothing new enough to make me want to revisit the topic has happened, so I think we're going to leave it there. Yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think anything crazy has happened. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, nothing. Nothing really crazy has happened in the world of MMA. So let's go ahead and get into plugs then. I guess it's short. Short episode this week. I'm sure you guys will be happy about that. Uh, what am I? Uh, let's see. This week, uh, oh, I'm pretty sure this week Mark and I will get together to review the Babadook as Mark's one contractually mandated horror movie of the year. Uh, so you can look, you can look forward to us talking about that. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll see whether or not uh, Mark 
enjoys that or finds it worth discussing, but I think I was misquoted by him recently, actually. I never, for the record, in case he hears this, Mark, I never said the Babadook would crush your soul. I have said that about other things, not about this. This is just a scary movie. Uh, so, I don't but I'm looking forward to talking about it with Mark. I'm going to rewatch it before we review it, so pay it up. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, coverage on Saturday, per usual. Uh, oh, I am the... Uh, I am now the kind of official Friday Night SmackDown live coverage guy at 411, so... That started... Uh, with this uh, this last Friday when they had the first episode of the draft, you can find my coverage of and my full reports on WWE's SmackDown Fridays. So yeah, if you're into pro wrestling, stop by, say hello. There's an active comment section over there. Um, do. Yeah, that's it for my podcast. So there will be a Babadook review with Mark uh, scheduled for the 15th. So if nothing crazy happens between now and then, be on the lookout for that. Uh, then on the 27th, we are still currently scheduled to have a comic strip where we will talk about The Empty Man, which was originally a graphic novel. Uh, and there's a movie being made about it. So we'll review those, compare, contrast, a little bit of fun there. So that'll be in a couple of weeks, but this week, Babadook, Mark and I, a lot of fun. Uh, I will see you all next week then, where we will review Ortega versus Jung and have a big preview, because UFC 254 is next Saturday. Uh, so that's that's Khabib and Justin Gagey, Whitaker and Cannoneer. Uh, we were supposed to have Makachev and Rafael Dos Anjos. RDA had a positive COVID test. He's off of that card, so Makachev's still looking for an opponent. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have a full preview of that particular event next week. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Those top two fights are just great. I mean, Khabib and Gagey and then Whitaker and Cannonier are just wonderful, wonderful fights on paper. So... Full thoughts next week. Please come back for that. Until then, thank you all again very much for listening, liking, commenting, subscribing, sharing. It all helps, guys. It all helps a lot. See you next time. Stay safe out there per usual, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.